0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Kriya Yoga podcast. Uh, I'm here with a very special guest today. Um, She is a a Kriya Yoga initiate, Kriya Yoga student, and also a volunteer at Center for Spiritual Awareness named Pascal Chambers. Um, Welcome to the podcast today, Pascal.
1: Thank you, Ryan. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really, really, really glad to have you. Um, Because what I've been trying to do with many of these interviews uh, is to talk to people on all different sides of the path. And so um, I've had students interview me. um, I've had um, other Kriya Yoga teachers on the podcast. And you are the the first for me to interview. who's within the the five to ten year range of practicing Kriya Yoga. Um, So what I'd like to do is just pick your brain a little bit about some of your experiences and and how you've grown since you've you've begun the Kriya Yoga process. Does that sound all right?
1: Yeah that sounds wonderful.
0: Okay so let's just get started. Um, You've been you became aware of CSA five years ago is that correct?
1: Yeah, little, little about five and a half years ago.
0: And how did that come about? How did you, how did you fall upon CSA and Mr. Davis and Kriya Yoga?
1: Yeah, I actually had, I guess, years before that. I had, um, I think it was a Yoga International magazine, and there was a like a full page ad for for a Center for Spiritual Awareness. And I saw that, and I thought, oh, that that looks kind of interesting. It's about two and a half hours for me. It's kind of close by, and and this seems interesting. So I ripped out the the ad, and I. Filed it away and I, you know, recycled the magazine and then, you know, so it was in a folder somewhere. And then all of a sudden um, I started doing some uncluttering. Well, not all of a sudden, because it was like two and a half years later, Mm. doing some uncluttering, going through some files. And I come across this, um, this advertisement. And right then I was like, oh, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this right away. Um, Because I found in my life, sometimes I'll, I'll find a point in my life where things have been maybe gotten a little bit stagnant. And so I'll uh, go to a different go to different retreat, a yoga center, meditation center, and just kind of kind of get things going again. Right. So so I had yes I saw this like okay I'm gonna do I'm gonna go do this and uh, I called I think I called and I talked to Willie and they had a space available I think it's only like maybe a week or two later than I actually found this this advertisement. And so I went, and when I was uh, talking to Roy for the first time, he said, well, how'd you hear about us? And I told him, and he goes, well, we haven't advertised in that magazine in years. And I go, well, yeah, I had it for years. <laughs> so it was, uh, and it was one of those things, like once I went, it was like, oh, I wish I would have gone two and a half years ago because I would have had, you know, that much more time with Mr. Davis. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that was, that was how I found it, just an advertisement.
0: And before you, you know, before before you took up an interest in Kriya Yoga, had you had experience with meditation? I'm assuming you did because you're reading yoga magazines and things.
1: Yeah, I actually started in my 20s. I learned transcendental meditation mm-hmm. and um, did that kind of on and off for a couple of years, and got into uh, Buddhist mindfulness meditation as well around that time. Right. And then in my early 30s, I went and did Vipassana, which is—I uh, don't know—I'm I'm assuming you're familiar with that. It's a 10-day silent retreat that you can go on. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that in my 30s, early 30s. Um, became a yoga teacher around that time as well. And then in my 40s, did the Vipassana again. And so you know, so I, so I, yeah, I, I've been doing meditation and yoga for, let's see probably about twenty years before my first time going to CSA..
0: Right. well, well this is going to, this is going to take us on a little a sidetrack because you mentioned uh, Vipassana meditation. And that's great because um, it seems that often when I'm teaching classes, uh, there will be a student or two that that shows up that that has experience with Vipassana. And they always ask me, what's the difference? And I don't know, because I've never done uh, a Vipassana um, workshop or, or training or any kind of meditation. So I guess since you've got experience in Ankhya Yoga, what can you say would be some major differences between those two?
1: Yeah, well, one, one difference is, is in the, well, I guess the big difference is in the technique. So Vipassana, at least the one I learned, this was through um, SN Goenka was the teacher was a specific technique that you used to help, you know, quiet the mind and go deeper. Mm -hmm. So, so if you didn't, so I guess if that technique did not resonate really well with you, kind of like that was it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so for me, it was, um, it just, it didn't work that well for me, that technique. So I tried it and I definitely think there's value there. And I thought Gwenka was a wonderful teacher, but the actual technique just, didn't click for me and i would say the same thing about transcendental meditation also a great you know great way to go if, if that resonates with you but that also didn't resonate with me that well
0: right um, so it's just stuck, primarily right? the technique
1: yeah so the technique and yeah i would say basically well vipassana is mindfulness meditation so it's more kind of along the the buddhist tradition okay uh, they don't they don't Attribute it to any religion, right? There is definitely, you know, that's that's the flavor of it.
0: So then, when someone asks me what's the difference between Kriya Yoga and Vipassana, I'll just say it's the technique.
1: Yeah, I would say that's a good answer. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and to get into that a little bit more with Kriya Yoga, you know, that we've learned from Mr. Davis, um, there's several techniques and Uh that's one of the things i really liked about it because you know if there was one that didn't work for me i could pick up another one so there was kind of this versatility that i found really appealing
0: right and that's you know that's a good point i can remember when i first started studying ayurveda um I began with one of David Frawley's courses, and um, I forget which one it was, but he talked about the different kinds of meditation, and he actually mentioned that Kriya Yoga, uh, the techniques that that are taught in Kriya Yoga, that whole system, he he described it as having uh, a a more balanced approach, because in a way, there were, uh, in a sense, options for every different kind of temperament. Mm-hmm. um so so that that's that's interesting to hear um all right well good I, I i appreciate you you sharing that with me because it's actually come up a few times and i keep thinking to myself i have i have no idea what the difference is so thank you
1: <laughs> well, yeah, help. <laughs> yeah. The, one,
0: um,
1: the one other thing i'll mention about vipassana is to be in silence for 10 days is, is a very interesting thing to experience um so i think that's a uh, that's helpful to try
0: <laughs> right
1: um, and have that experience I think um, yeah.
0: is it um, when I think about being because I remember going to, to, to CSA early on and I remember you know reading about autobiography reading autobiography of a yogi and learning about the Saints and the sages that supposedly sat for six to eight to twelve hours at a time or or, or never quit sitting meditation <laughs> and I can remember in a sense trying to f- really force myself to to do that for long, long, long hours of time. And be, it became kind of stressful after a little while. So I guess I'm curious with the, the Vipassana, um, h- how do they handle that? Or is it just something you just watch and deal with?
1: Yeah, you're just pretty much left. There are teacher assistants there and you can go and ask them questions, but you're pretty much left to your own devices. And, <laughs> and they're having you meditate like, gosh, I remember it's like, Maybe five, six hours a day officially, and then on your free time you're supposed to be meditating because there's nothing else to do. Right. Well, it's uh it's pretty torturous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I went to when I went to CSA for the first time, I was like, oh, this is so much nicer and more pleasant of an experience. Right. Yeah. What, th-
0: Thirty to forty-five minutes. I think that was usually what what, what Mr. Davis did, if I recall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the big the big difference for me was was having the teacher there, um, right. was such a gift. So, because mm-hmm. uh, when I went to you know TM and Vipassana, the, the teachers, if they were still embodied, were in India. Right. So you didn't get a chance to really interact with them. Um, so, right,
0: yeah. and you know you you had quite a bit more experience, it sounds, um, in meditation and in yoga when you first made your way to to CSA. Um, I can remember my first week there. um, I had had probably been trying to meditate for maybe a year or so. And um, I remember those 30-minute meditations feeling like they lasted forever. (laughs) So um, I guess my question for you is, what was your initial impressions and experiences when you went on retreat at CSA or Mr. Davis? You know, how, did you, how did you feel? What were your experiences when you, you, you first went there?
1: Yeah, I guess that, I guess it was, well, I guess, like I've already mentioned, to have, have the teacher there the guy you know have the guy there was like wow this is great um because I'd, I'd gone to a, a few other places i went to yogaville not knowing that their teacher wasn't there anymore um and so so that was kind of a nice thing to uh, actually have roy there and i guess i was because i wasn't really uh dedicated to my meditation practice at the time i ex- kind of experienced some of what you did like sometimes it would feel longer but there was uh i want to say uh Energy to to the meditation hall and to being in the presence that I could feel right away, and that did make it easier to to right. kind, of, kind of go into the meditations more easily and and have these uh, nicer experiences with it.
0: And when you uh, when when you first came to create yoga, had you had much uh, previous? Like, had you read Autobiography of a Yogi, or had you had much introduction to it uh, before?
1: Yeah, interestingly, no. I had heard of um, Yogananda, so I, I, was, I was happy to hear that Roy was his disciple. But no, I had not read Autobiography and was not aware of the lineage or anything like that. Um, and as soon as my, you know, my first time after hearing about it with Ram Roy, um, I immediately you know, bought the book and started started reading it and i remember i was i was a couple chapters in and i was so into it i was so like enthralled and i thought i gotta slow down because once i read this i'll never get to read it again for the first time and so i really wanted to savor that um and so i yeah as much as i could restrain myself took my time but um went went through it very quickly
0: Do you think there was any, any benefit to n- not having that kind of uh, initial introduction? Because you know, I can think of one student um, in the Yoga apprenticeship course, he had never read autobiography of a yogi, he didn't really know much about it. <laughs> he had, he had, had an interest in meditation. And for him, he felt like it helped him kind of come at it with a clean slate. So I'm curious, did you have any kind of similar experience like that?
1: I would say not, I don't know if I'd put it that way. It was more a matter of because I had been around these things and I had um, experienced different teachers and even, uh, you know, a couple of teachers that I didn't feel were more authentic teachers, that when I found Roy, it was like I knew he was the real deal. And I knew these these teachings, I knew that they were, um, you know, they were steeped in the traditions and they were they were um, pure, and he was teaching them very clearly. So I was able to recognize that very quickly.
0: Right. And, and so for you, um, when you think about recognizing what, what you would consider to be like an authentic teacher and authentic teaching versus something that's not, what are those what are those differences? Like how, how, how were you able to discern that?
1: I think for me, it was more a matter of you know, you can talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? I wanted a teacher who was living the teachings, you mm-hmm. know, and was authentic and was, and was doing what he was saying. And that's, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of people out there that are doing that, but there's also a lot that are not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say they're kind of hypocritical and they're saying one thing, but they're living their lives in a different way. Um, and from, from everything that I knew and learned about Roy, he really was living that lifestyle. Um, the yogic lifestyle. And you know, I would talk to disciples. And when I was first there, I was, you know I wasn't completely trusting because I had experienced not, you know, not true teachers before. So I was a little skeptical. Right. and um but you know, after going a few times and I would talk to his longtime disciples, and I'd kind of check them out, and they were, so grounded and so kind and so loving, and I went, like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, I think I think sometimes you have to look at the students of the teacher,
2: right?
1: The, you know, what what are they getting out of this? What have they gotten from this? And you know, I had people tell me that Roy has been saying and teaching the same way and, and being steadfast for forty years, you know, right. or um, So I said, okay, that's that's what I'm looking for in mm-hmm. a teacher. Mm-hmm.
0: And what was your first experience like with Roy? I mean, what was your impression? How did you, what was the, how did the interaction go?
1: Well, first was my first time sitting there listening to him. And I, and I was like, I liked him immediately. I was like, this guy's down to earth, you know, he's not putting on airs and everything he was saying was kind of in line with um, either what I already believed or what I was looking for. um, As far as information, I wanted to deepen my practice. And so what he was saying um, really resonated with me. And then when I met him for the first time, it was just, um, it was very comfortable. It was, you know, we, we used to have a conversation with him and I just, I liked him, you know, right. was, hey, you know, um, it was also. Oh, oh, go ahead.
0: Uh, when you, so coming, coming into this kind of n- new practice, um, was there anything particularly challenging for you and how did you overcome that? Or, or was it pretty pretty easy? Did you just kind of take right to it and, and get get going?
1: Well, I went, um, <clears throat> so my, my first time there, I had learned about the, I went to a public retreat, which uh, CSA used to be structured where there was public retreats, and there would be a lot more people there, and, and they'd serve meals, and there'd be a lot of activity. Right. And then other times of the year, they were called private retreats. And there was less people and less activity. And so the privates were going, you know, to go a little bit deeper into your practice. Mm-hmm. So my first one was a public one, which was, which was fun. And I got to meet a lot of nice people. And then I heard that there was these private ones. So I said, okay, well, let me come back and do that. And, and I did that in a, I did a September private. And then I think, it was, I think it was my, I think it was the following year is when I became Roy's disciple. So, oh no, I'm sorry. The first year I became his disciple, and then after that, um, there was definitely like a shift in me, and I started to go to CSA very often.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So after that first year, I was spending um, about five weeks a year up there, and every time I would go, I would I would make a point to meet with Roy. So I figured <laughs> I figured I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity right. and spend this spend this time with him. So. So it was, it was challenging for me because I would say I was kind of on the, the fast forward path of Kriya Yoga, and so it was very intense in a lot of ways. And being around that, the energy that's at CSA, being around someone like um, Mr. Davis and his consciousness, um, that brings up things in you Right. <laughs> if you're open to it and <laughs> if, you're, if you're working it. And I was one of the ones that I would actually do what he said, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out when I would go on retreat, I would stay on property. And if um, I was going retreat for two weeks at a time, I wouldn't leave the property. Um, I might have to like on the weekend I might have to run and get a few groceries, but that was all I would do. I wouldn't go out to eat I wouldn't um you know go you know, I would just stay on property so <laughs> and um, so it's so it's very intense those those few years of you know things coming up for me and having to work things out and so no, it was not easy <laughs> <to me. laughs> uh, It's actually very challenging, but you know looking back now, I'm like, oh thank God I did that and right. um, And I I had a sense uh, throughout all of that because of uh, Mr. Davis's age that, you know, I thought if I can do this, I should do it because you never, you know, you never know what's going to happen with anyone. So, so, you know, I'm glad I did.
0: Right. Well, you know, talking about things like, like staying on the property and and all that. I mean, that's something that over the years, you know, I've, I've watched uh, going, going to retreats and, and, um. You know, like you, when, when I first started going there, uh, I was there because I wanted to, to be learning create Yoga and I wanted to get the full experience of it. But, you know, a, a lot of people go and they they treat it almost like it's just a, a vacation. Right, yeah. <laughs> and And I don't think they ever understood why Roy would say things like, you know, don't socialize, stay on the grounds, pay attention to your... To, to why you're here and why why you're there is so that you can take a break from your your normal life and your normal world and, and really kind of go deep into the process so you know i i, I understand what you're saying i i i know the, the stress around that but wouldn't it be great if <laughs> wouldn't it be great if more people somehow <laughs> decided to do that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and it's funny too, because probably people, people that will listen to this would be like, hey, Pascal was very talkative and social, because I was at yeah. times. Um, and I did meet a lot of people because it was, it was really hard not to because the people that were showing up to the retreats, they were great. They were such cool people. Mm-hmm. And they were coming from all over the world, you know, I was meeting people from Italy and, and Germany and, you know, people coming from California. And it was just, it was so much fun to be around that, you um, so it was a, it was a temptation to, to definitely to socialize.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and sometimes people feel that they need to to know someone of a like mind. I mean, when I, like you, when I first started going to CSA, you know, they would serve meals, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and were they doing that still when you when you started going?
1: Yeah, I got the. Um I got to experience that for a few years with the big retreats and the big initiations and all the, um, all the ceremonial stuff that Roy was doing. So I got to experience all that, which was great,
0: but super loud.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And that's why I would go to the private ones too, because I, I liked both. I had, I liked doing both of them. Right. And then I had a different emphasis depending on what was going on for myself. But then toward the, you know, toward the end of, um, More toward the end, before Roy uh, left his body, was he, I think he started to kind of want to pull back on some level, perhaps. Yeah. So he changed the retreats and he would only allow, they all became private retreats and there was no more meals. Right. So he just really wanted to focus on the people that were were serious and really intensive. um, Right. And so that actually worked out good for me because I was kind of getting to that point anyway in my own practice. So, the, so I missed, I missed the public retreats a little bit, but at the same time I thought, this is really good for me. This is what you know needs needs to happen for
0: me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't think you, you missed them too much. I mean, they were they were pretty much the same thing. It's just like you know when it came to eating meals, and I can remember Roy many times saying, um, you know, when you're in the dining hall, like eat quietly.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and 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 I can then I can remember going into the dining hall, and like five minutes later, it's just like a, a roar of, of people trying to talk over each other. So. I also began to appreciate the the switch to um, I guess more austere circumstances and and I, I tried to do it, it, it with retreats at CSA um, at the end of the the kriya apprenticeship. We still didn't have that that many people there, but you know they could get chatty, and so I decided that the next retreats that happened there were going to just be silent retreats. Yeah. And um, and I had one woman, wonderful, wonderful meditator, and, and wonderful. Um, uh, Wonderful, dedicated person on the path. Uh, if I recall correctly, I think I heard through the grapevine that she decided she wasn't going to come if it was silent because <laughs> because part of, part of what she appreciated was the, the the connecting with like minds because where she is there is absolutely no one <laughs> who's interested yeah. in the things that she's into.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was yeah that was the situation I was in when I first started going because I was living in an area where there was not even a yoga center where All I right. lived. Um, Yeah, I can definitely um, understand that, that desire to feel that. But you know, when you're doing the deeper work, then it it gets to a point where that's like, you can't be around that. It's actually very disturbing. Um, So there were times when I'd have to go take my food and sit outside by myself sometimes. Right. Because you just want to, you know, you want to keep the energy and the attention turned inward.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's a very, very important point because it kind of builds upon itself. I mean, the more that you do the work, the more you get into it, the the deeper you can go. And, you know, that's why we, the general reason why we practice meditation is so that we can let go of attachment to externals. And so if we're always surrounding ourselves, or not always, but if we go on a retreat, which is the purpose to go. As far within as possible, and then we keep pulling ourselves back out through, you know, excessive socialization or whatever else people do. That kind of defeats the purpose of the retreat a little bit.
1: Well, and also, and and Roy would say this, but I, I didn't, I didn't quite get in the beginning. But how distracting all of that is to the mind. Right. So you're churning up all this stuff, and you meet someone, and maybe they're telling you something about their life, and that gets your mind going, and. And your mind never stops. And so you're just kind of feeding it more and more and more. So, yeah, instead of going away and turning, kind of turning all that off, you're, you're just feeling the fire basically.
0: Right, right. It is the <laughs> Yeah, certainly. Um, so, as you've been practicing Kriya Yoga and participating more with CSA, um, what, what do you feel has been uh, either, what has been the most helpful thing to you or, or, or what have you learned that you wish you had known earlier on uh, about, you know, this, this path and walking this path?
1: Well, I think uh, I've mentioned already, but I think having a teacher that I could go to and talk to right. was really helpful. Um, in addition to, to Roy, I had <clears throat> developed a relationship with Ron Lindon as well and um, started to meet with him also about starting about four years ago. So when I would go on retreat, I would I would meet with Roy and Ron and, um, and so I'd get double, double help. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and and that would that would be really helpful because I would go to Ron about more specifics with the techniques, uh, the different techniques and and then you know Roy was more my um, not that of course Roy could teach me the techniques but he was more kind of my sat guru and my inspiration he fueled my fire my passion to do this
2: mm-hmm.
1: but then for me the way Ron explained things more technically I found I found useful so I I found that I had that mix of the two that worked really well for me um, and getting to I think one of the biggest things I learned from Roy was. The discipline and to have a dedicated spiritual practice because you can talk all you want about how great meditation is but if you never sit and do it then it's not really going to help you right (laughs) um and in addition to the meditation and then i used to think that meditation was it like if you meditated your life would be perfect everything would be great (laughs) and you know that's not that's not true you
0: what (laughs) That's not true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, this is this is, the, you know, this is the Kriya Yoga path. It's like you have to live this lifestyle that is, um, you know, eating healthy and exercising and, you know, practicing the sutras and, and living this lifestyle that promotes well-being for yourself and those around you.
0: Right, right. So,
1: that, so learning all of that and really learning to incorporate that into my life.
0: So actually, actually doing what you learned.
1: Yeah. And you know, that can be really hard to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds easy, but you know, to actually every day, I actually, from the first time I went to CSA, I made a promise to my commitment to myself that I would meditate every day. And I have since five and a half years, I've never missed a day of meditation. Um, And that's, that's huge because, you know, for 20 years prior to that, it was, it was always kind of a you know, hit or miss with my meditations. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. so I did that and that, that has made a big difference. Um,
0: Well, okay. So first of all, you're talking about Ron and you're talking about Ron Lindon, who is the senior minister at CSA and he's been with Roy what, it's almost 50 years now, is it? wasn't the seventies. The
1: Yeah, it's been, yeah, I believe it. I want to say 49 years.
0: Yeah, so yeah. he's he's been there a long time, so that's a, always a good good point of connection there. Um, you were talking about you know, doing the work, and you know a lot of people. And I was just recently thinking about this because uh, now's the time of year when uh, people begin applying to um, the 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 Yoga Apprenticeship program, and every now and then you get one or two people that are so overzealous they're like i've read everything i'm i'm ready to do all this and and you kind of get their history like and i've been doing it for two months but i'm ready (laughs) and uh and i'm always a little hesitant when i when i get those kinds of applications because i I just it it seems a little too a little too much so um what i'm getting at here is i'm kind of curious when you were beginning this process um did you ever over your overwhelm yourself with with expectations about what you should be doing or was it more you you, you naturally kind of developed one little aspect at a time how, how did you approach it did you have any of the overzealous issue
1: um well i'm a very very hard critic on myself so i'm a i'm a virgo so <laughs> <laughs> be a perfectionist
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um so yeah, I was always very hard on myself, and um, you know, it's like, well, I'm meditating, I'm a, I'm a yoga, I'm doing yoga. I shouldn't, I shouldn't get angry. I shouldn't get anxious. I shouldn't have any of these um, things happening. And um, you know, where do
0: you, where do you think that comes from? <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean, because that's a, that's a common theme that people get in their mind that you know, oh, I'm doing this, so I, I shouldn't have any. No human thing should should happen. Where do you think that comes from? Any ideas?
1: <laughs> I just, no, I don't. I think our mind just wants to create some drama.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's like wherever it can find that that place to do that, it will do it. Yeah. Um, uh. so. So it's almost like our practice becomes our drama in a sense, or it can.
0: <laughs> so, so what you're saying, what you're saying is, you're you're doing the practice to cut out drama, but since the mind needs drama, it then turns the practice into the drama.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well said.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I I never thought about it that way before. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of watch that and, and realize, oh, okay, I'm doing it about this now, you know, and then just kind of let that go because. You know we're, we're human and we're, we have these uh these tendencies and so to kind of more uh work with them instead of fighting against them i think is helpful
0: right so how did you how did you approach um, uh, how did you because there's a lot to implement i mean when i think about what real kriya yoga practice is you know many people think it's just a technique but you know it's 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 living in accord with the yamas and niyamas it's 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 having a routine in your life it's you know taking care of your resources so that you don't have to worry too much about all these uh stressful things there's a lot to it so how did you approach um kind of building a life that was supportive of that now what what I guess what i mean is what 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 advice might you give to someone who's just starting to kind of come to terms with what is required of uh, this process? Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, the most, most important thing and I, and, is meditation. So, mm-hmm. you know, to start out, you just start meditating, even if it's 10, 15 minutes a day, you just dedicate yourself to that because as that's happening, then things will start to shift a little bit and everything becomes easier. It kind of more falls into place um, so to me, that's the most important, critical thing is to get a meditation practice. And, you know, I, <laughs> I've been teaching Kriya yoga meditation for three, for the last three years. And so I always say that to my students. I'm like, even 10 minutes, even 10 minutes, just get in the habit of sitting. Right. Um, so I think that's where you get kind of the base and you start to get some grounding. And then right. you add in. And um, I think Ron Lindon in one of his talks not that long ago, he was saying, add in one thing a month. And then at the end of the month, add in something else. And I thought this was good advice because you can overwhelm yourself when you try to make too many changes at once. And then you don't do them all, and then you feel, you know, discouraged. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'd say if you're just starting out, the first month, just meditate every day for 15 minutes. All right. And when you've accomplished that, then the next month, you say, okay, well, I want to eat a little healthier. This month, I'm going to cut out ice cream or something, <laughs> or you know, I'm going to go to bed. On, I'm going to try to get. To, I'm going to go to bed on time. I'm going to go to bed at 10 p.m. like they recommend. Right. When you do that, so that way you kind of ease yourself into it. I didn't do this for myself. I didn't know this. I tried to do everything at once, and you know, I would get frustrated and stuff. So, um, so like, be kind to yourself too. Like you're doing, you know, you're doing the best you can
0: right now, right.
1: and you just keep going.
0: Yeah, it does seem. It does seem almost a little bit like um, very subtle self sabotage <laughs> when you when you when you try to do it all at once because you're not going to be able to. And I, I think when a lot of people try to do it all at once, then like they, they give up because they think, Well, I just I just can't do this.
1: Yeah, exactly. But on the don't other want them, you don't want to give up. That's the thing. You know, and even if you even if you, you know, I haven't missed a day of meditation in five and a half years, but if I had, I would have just started again you know, um, but, but having made that commitment keeps me going with it.
0: Right. And it, it reminds me of a quote, and I'm trying to think exactly what that quote was. It was, um, hmm, it was, I think it was Shakespeare <laughs> or, or I'm, I'm looking it up. Cause I remember, I remember some generalities up to something like the course of true love never runs smooth, but I, I don't think that's <laughs> it. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. The course of true love never did run smooth.
2: Yeah.
0: and sure. uh, <laughs> that 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 stuck out to me when I heard it or or read it because you know part of what we're doing is kind of returning our attention to, to the most important thing. And I can remember in the Holy Science, um, Sri Yukteswar, he quotes. All these quotes, you think I'd have them written down. He, he, quotes, from, he quotes from the Bible and he, he talks about how um,
2: it,
0: metaphorically or something like that, Uh, the the grief that that God has against humans is is that they they abandoned their first true love and their first true love being God or clarity or or pure consciousness. Now, again, we're not trying to promote God as a a being with this like a big parent up in the sky. This is just to help get the point across. Um, But, you know, by doing these practices like Kriya Yoga and uh, spiritual practices, I mean, we're, we're essentially kind of redirecting our love to to that which is the most important thing, which is the self or God or the infinite consciousness. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that, that idea, that Shakespeare idea that the course of the course of true love never did run smooth. So (laughs) the, the process itself, if it's true love, which hopefully it is, then we're going to be okay with the fact that we're going to make mistakes and we can't do it all at once. And we just work on a little bit here and there.
1: Yeah, the funny thing though is is it's like it's literally the easiest thing in the world. Right? <laughs> you just like sit and be quiet. Like that sounds like that should be so easy. And you know what 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 they teach what they teach us is, you know, you are that. You right. are that pure consciousness. So, you know, you just kind of have to get out of the way mm-hmm. and recognize that. Um, but you know, something else I realized over time is that people can tell you all about it, but until you experience it for yourself. It's just words. Right. Right. And so that's why I think, we, you know, you teach your teacher, you teach your students, and there's such an emphasis to, to meditate and quiet the mind, because right. then you will experience this for yourself. And then everything changes at that point. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> it's a whole other game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, well, we've got a little bit of time left. And, um, you know, you and I both know that outwardly, um, Mr. Davis wasn't really uh, an expressive devotional type. He, he did not quite have the, the same kind of um, presentation style that, that Yogananda did, um, but he was very clearly devoted, <laughs> uh, very clearly. And so from your own experience, uh, how have you been able to balance um, the, the devotion aspect of this process and, and how important devotion is along with just the, this the simple hard work, get the job done. How have you been able to balance those two sides of, of this process?
1: Well, I wouldn't, um, before, you know, coming to CSA, I would have, I would not have considered myself a devotional person at all. Um, I kind of steer cleared of all that and religion and, and, and those types of things. So, um, you know, so the fact that I have pictures of the, the, the gurus around is is not in my nature initially. <laughs> um, but it just it, I think it just became that I feel so much gratitude for the teachings right. and for the teachers. That that's where the devotion comes in. It's more about um, you know, it's not a worshiping and it's not a putting them putting them on a pedestal. It's more of a I'm grateful to them. Uh, so I think. Having, having that gratitude uh, has helped me to experience more of the oneness.
2: Right.
1: When you're feeling grateful, when you're feeling gratitude, that kind of, wa- and that's, a, you know, that's love. That kind of washes away everything else. Um, so if you're able to kind of tune into that all the time, you know, think about your teachers and um, it really, it, it really helps the, the discipline is great, but at, at the same time, you know, having that love is really important, I think.
0: Yeah. And that actually, that, that brought up something I was not even thinking about before we started this interview. But, um, uh, you know, when I think about the things that I have loved in life or the people that I have loved in life, I mean, really loved, like no question asked, just it was something that was obvious and real. Um, there wasn't anything I wouldn't do for them. And and what what you're talking about kind of reminds me of this situation. You know, if you do have a sense of, of gratitude or appreciation for something, you, you're probably actually more likely to be hardworking and disciplined in that direction. Yeah. That's,
2: you
0: know. Be, yeah. Yeah, because if you love your family, and if you if you love someone, and uh, you have no problems going out and, and and earning money to support the family because you're doing it for for this reason out out of this love. And anyway, what you just said kind of made me realize that um uh, having being able to find something that you can have that sense of devotion to, I think that in itself probably helps with the discipline and the the attention. I mean, you know, think about your friends, the friends that you would do anything for. If they call you up and they need something, you're just going to do it. You're not going to piddle around and say, well, maybe, you know, you're going to be there for them. So that's interesting.
1: And I think that, you know, they say a, a guru is the dispeller of darkness. And, um, you know, my understanding of what a guru is, it's someone that would inspire you to get closer to God or pure consciousness. Right. And that's what Roy did for me right ignited that fire i mean that had you know had always had always been there because i've been looking since my 20s for something but i didn't know what it was for sure until i met roy and then i was like oh <laughs> this is it um and then everything everything changed after that you know, i'll be uh, forever grateful to him for that
0: what do you think um what do you think Made the difference that allowed you to recognize, because early on, you know, you talked about uh, how you had tried different types of meditation and, and you, you had kind of looked around or or kind of sought out. At least this is the, the impression I got that you had met other teachers and so on. But when you met Roy and, and CSA, there, there was a greater sense for you of authenticity. And this is a question that I'm always curious about. Um, do you feel that there is anything in particular in your life that 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 you did, or any preparation that allowed you to get this relationship, or or have that kind of opportunity to to meet a teacher that, that you were able to have that sense of integrity with, and that sense of uh, trust in? Because I think trust is a is a big deal. So, any any thoughts on that?
1: Trust trust is a huge deal,
0: actually. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Good karma. No.
0: <laughs> well, you know that's <laughs> we're gonna. That's that. That's the actual answer. But, yeah. well, but I
1: think um, no. Yeah. I just I kept searching. Like I wouldn't give up. It was important to me, and I was seeking something, and I wasn't gonna stop until I until I found it.
0: So you didn't settle.
1: I didn't settle. I kept I kept at it. I kept looking. I kept searching. I kept trying things, right. and I think I think that's I think that's important to search until you find what clicks for you. But at the same time I I've, I've noticed um you know cuz I, I you can relate to this. You have students and they come and they go and and that's fine. Everybody's following their own path. But sometimes I want to say to people, you just need to stop. If you find <laughs> the true teachings, just stop and do the work because right. you can spend your whole life searching and never get down to it. <laughs> So that so I think that is important like if you if you can find a good teacher, a true teacher and you feel a connection with them, then listen to their advice. don't the, do what they're saying to do and um, and, and move forward right, right. yeah
0: and I, I know I keep saying we're just about out of time, but more things keep popping into my head. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely okay, um, so going down that route of you know, recognizing uh, the, the teacher or the path that's, that's right for you. Because like you said, um, different temperaments really resonate with, with different approaches. Well, I'm not sure if you said it, but you implied it, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> when, I met, when, when I met Mr. Davis, I didn't think to myself, well, maybe. I didn't think to myself, I, I need to kind of keep looking around. There was just a sense of, oh, yeah, all right, this is it so um did you have a a similar experience in in that regard
1: i just felt so you know listening to roy and, and reading his books and reading autobiography and hearing just when i was when i was first going to csa roy was telling all his stories about his times with yogananda so i i caught that and over toward toward the end he wasn't doing it as much so i was happy i got that and i would just sit enthralled hearing these stories i just I could just sit there for years, you know, and I was so, so happy. Um, so I guess it, it was just, it, it felt right to me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, yeah, you know, the feeling when you just, you found what you've been looking for your whole life.
0: Right. That, that's, that's what I was, I was curious about because, you know, when people, when people are, looking for a teacher I mean in my mind my sense is you'll just know and and there won't be necessarily a sense of well maybe with it so I, I guess I was asking you that question um, just to see if if that was a, a, another person's experience
1: <laughs> yeah but I think don't you don't you think too though Ryan that that maybe you wouldn't you know you, I don't know that you necessarily have to feel it as intensely as we felt it to still connect with that teacher and get a lot of value. In. Right. Uh, I don't think, um, you know, because I've had friends that have, you know, come with me on retreat and I've taken some of my family members and my husband and they got a lot out of it and they really enjoyed it, but they don't necessarily have the same passion I do.
0: Right. You know, you know the right. teachings,
1: things. And I don't think they have to, to get the benefits.
0: Um, well, but were they searching for a teacher though?
1: I guess not. Prob- yeah, probably not to the extent that I was.
0: Yeah, that because that's, that's 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 the thing I'm always one. curious yeah. about. Because you're right. I mean, you can learn a lot from uh, anyone who, who's who's teaching something with integrity. Um, this is this again is is on my mind because again with the the, the apprenticeship course, I, I have like an application process,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I like to like in the application process, there's certain questions that that people have to answer, and um, I, I'm just sometimes I'll get applications where people say, well, you know, I've tried this teacher. I tried this teacher. um, I just want to try this out too, just to kind of see what it's all about. Um, And when you talked about the idea of not settling, I think it's important for people to recognize that if they are looking for something, um, that it is okay uh, to keep looking until you have that kind of sense of, no, I got it. Right. and, and, and that, as you're saying, not everyone has to feel that way. Like, not everyone felt that way about Roy, even though we felt that way about Roy, right? Yeah. Not everyone felt that way about Yogananda. And We know not everyone felt that way about Sri Yukteswar. I mean, <laughs> 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 due to his his extreme
2: exactly.
0: uh, uh, austerity, but that that doesn't that doesn't negate the uh, the experience. And and the other reason I'm bringing this up is because when I was younger, uh, when I first started going to CSA. I had a habit of being extremely fanatic. And so I thought that everyone I knew should go to CSA. And, <laughs> and it was probably about five or six years into it when I decided to, to cool off a little bit. And many of my friends said, wow, I'm, Ryan, I'm so glad that you, you quit that you just relaxed because we know you get a lot out of this path, but that doesn't mean you have to try to talk us into it every moment you get.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, so. I can relate. I can relate because, yeah, in the beginning uh, when I first started, um, I started teaching pretty quickly. And yeah. um, Roy, you know, uh, enabled me to be a representative pretty early on. And I was so excited about it. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever I have to share with everybody. And I was handing out the little meditation booklets to everybody, I, you know, like, and I, and, and eventually it was like, okay, I, I get a sense when someone's open and I will, I will present the information if it seems appropriate, but, um, I've learned to be uh, a little less exuberant, I guess, <laughs> right. and accepting of like, you know, people are, people are on their own journey and you have to respect that
2: right right the right. people
1: closest to you like you really want them to get the benefits you've gotten but they have to be ready too right
0: yeah. well I, I can even remember and i've probably told this story before when um probably the the second or third year of of practicing and, and going to visit csa um, melissa came down the the second year and was uh, initiated and began practicing and she was she, I mean, she was perfectly into it. She appreciated the Yoga Sutra. She she enjoyed the practice of meditation. She loved what she learned from Mr. Davis. But me being, again, that that fanatic side of things, I decided that, you know, she wasn't meditating enough. And <laughs> and if she didn't meditate more, I, I didn't know if this relationship was going to go oh, no. <laughs> any further. And um, I can remember going down to... Um, CSA with with Melissa and and mean with Roy and somehow that that topic came up and he just kind of looked at me sideways as though I I should know better <laughs> and he said he said you leave her alone she's just fine <laughs> so even 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 there could be people in our lives that are, that are deriving a lot of benefit from things at least in my experience and sometimes fanaticism can get in the way of appreciating that <laughs>
1: Oh totally. No. Yeah. No, I went I went through that with my husband Rob as well because like you have to meditate and you know, I, I can't be married to a non-meditator. <laughs> and and it doesn't you know, it doesn't work the more you pressure people, the more they don't wanna do something, I think. And right. it wasn't until I finally just completely accepted him for who he is right now the relationship is wonderful (laughs) um and and you know beautiful so it's 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 interesting how yeah you have to get out of your own way sometimes i think Um, yeah uh, the other the other thing that that i i've I've learned is that eventually i learned that my practice is my life Mm. so i used to think there was a separation you know i'm meditating or i'm doing my spiritual practice and then there's the rest of my life and then and eventually i found that no that your life is your spiritual practice right and you can uh, when you can live that way it, it is much easier
0: yeah mm-hmm. how do you did that well all right <laughs> last question <laughs> for sure this time um when you discovered that when that, that came to you that, that your life is your spiritual practice cuz i think that that I reflect upon this a lot when I I work with students or just kind of observe people who've been meditating for a long time. And um, this idea kind of came along that, um, you know, there seems to be a difference between you can have someone who's been meditating for 30, 40, 50 years and um, you kind of want, well, maybe it's me just being judgmental, but you just kind of wonder sometimes like really you've been meditating that long and you still think that way, or you still feel this way. And then there are others who, who, you know, maybe five, 10 years or so, and they they really seem to embody or uh, demonstrate uh, what you would imagine uh, someone who's, who's really engaged in the process would demonstrate. And and that's kind of what I came to. I think that the difference is that you have to make it, your life has to be the practice. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, Like for people who are listening, um, how would you describe that to them? In the sense of, what really is it like? What what really is it like? So that your life is your practice. What what does that what does that look like?
1: So I would I would I would describe it as I guess I would say I'm very aware of what's going on. So Mm -hmm. all day long I'm watching. I'm the observer of my thoughts, my emotions, my reactions. Um, and hopefully I'm not reacting too much. I'm responding instead of reacting. But, you know, something may happen and then you react. But how quickly can you, can you observe that and catch it and then, you know, move on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you begin to stop seeing, like, we want everything to go well and everything to be easy and nice. But that's not life. Things are going to come up. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of looking at the things coming up as as a problem, we look at it as an opportunity. Oh, here's a chance for me to grow. And I think before we started um, recording this podcast, I was telling you how all of my laptops in the house, all like our technology is, is on the brink right now. <laughs> right. And um, and so, you know, about, about an hour and a half before we were going to do this, my laptop crashes, my husband's laptop crashes. And I was like, how am I going to do this podcast? You know, <laughs> I can't get anything to work. Um, even my iPad wasn't working right. And so and I so for about 20 seconds I got upset. I was like, oh, can you know, could I just have a relaxing hour before I do this? <laughs> and and then a, and then a few you know, about a minute later I thought, oh, well, you know, if it's if it's meant to happen, it's gonna happen. That's fine. And I trust that. But, you know, I was immediately able to just shift and just let that go. And so I think that's where the practice being your life comes in, where it's not to say you're never gonna get upset or get frustrated. But you can quickly um, shift into a different mindset, a more maybe a more positive way of looking at it. Um, right. Sometimes you can't, but you're not you know you're not at the mercy of your emotions and your thoughts all the time.
0: Right. So it's kind of as Mr. Davis would say, developing or working on the capacity to to master your states of consciousness.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, you know, life is going to happen, but you can, the, the thing you can master is your state of consciousness in relationship to the experience. <laughs> That's good.
1: Yeah. And also take the challenges as um, a way to grow. Right. You know, it's like if nothing ever happened to you, you get kind of stagnant and you wouldn't grow. Right. right. So you just kind of try to look at that as an opportunity and um, and, you know, just work with it.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to end. Um, and I really want to thank you for taking the time today to, to, to speak to us. I think this will be helpful to a lot of people.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've, I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that's what Roy always used to say. <laughs> well um, anyway, thank you for being here. And yeah, um, Maybe we can do it again sometime. Uh,
1: yeah, I would love that.
0: It's really been, really been good. And, and one of these days, um, when it's possible, maybe I'll see you down there at CSA.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to
0: that. All right. Well, you take care, Pascal. It was Thank wonderful. you,
1: Ryan. Yep. Take care.
0: This episode of the Kriya Yoga Podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash. Kriya
2: Yoga.